0: For those of you who don't know me, my name is Connor Harrison. I'm the youth director here. Uh, Most of you probably know who I am, but this is the first opportunity I've had to get to speak to everybody, and so I'm super excited. Um, I think it's going to be awesome, and uh, I just want to start with prayer. (laughs) Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your majesty, Father, that Just here now with everyone here, Father, that you are just pouring out your love on us, and that we leave here changed, God. What good is it to come to church if we don't leave it changed, Father? So thank you so much. Help me, dear Jesus. Amen. Okay. It's really weird wearing this mic. I've never worn a mic like this, so I was joking uh, Thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) I've never got to wear a mic like this, and I was joking that once you get to wear like an overhead mic, you've pretty much made it. At least in speaking engagements, you know, it opens up my hands a lot, which is good because I use my hands a lot. And so Micah asked me to preach uh, a couple weeks ago, and, well, I obviously said yes, but I was hesitant. Not to say yes, hesitant because I got nervous. i want to tell you a story, and some of the youth know this story. The very first time I had to speak in front of people was, um, I was 19. I was 19 and I was speaking to a group of 30 people. And I only had to give a 10 minute message, so that's a lot less than today. Uh, so I prepared diligently, practiced speaking, and then I got up there, and halfway through I started crying. <laughs> I was so nervous, I started crying halfway through the message. And thankfully, you know, my improv skills that I've learned, I just made it seem like I was really passionate about what I was talking about. So halfway through, I started crying, and I'm just like, and Jesus loves you so much. And I wrote it out. I wrote it out. And I got complimented afterwards. I think they just felt sorry for me, but uh, we'll see. So if I do really bad up here... Just tell me I did good and let me tell this story later, okay? Um, okay, so when I was preparing and what I was asking God, what I felt like he wanted me to talk about, it was something that I've personally been going through and that I've I felt pressing. And while it's not, you know, the, the message that a lot of people like to hear, I think it's a message that's very important. Um... And I know that this is a great congregation, and I know that what I'm going to talk about, I'm sure everyone's going to agree. And if you don't, that's okay. Um, I expect some disagreement, and I welcome that. Show me where I'm wrong, and I'll show you what I believe and what you believe. So, with that being said, what am I talking about today? (sighs) I'm talking about counting your costs. Um... Unfortunately, in the Western church many times, we don't like to talk about costing, especially following Jesus. We like to talk about the blessings that he gives us. And while that's true, he absolutely does. There are multiple times in scripture where Jesus talks about, hey, you're not getting in to something that amazing from the outside. You know, it's going to be hard sometimes. And unfortunately, sometimes we let that kind of go under the rug, especially in the Western church where, you know, it's... Do this. Here's five steps to success. Five steps to getting out of debt. And that's not bad. That's good stuff. But when that's why we're following Jesus, I think that's where we have a problem. There's a disconnect there. If we're following Jesus for what he's giving us, I have a personal conviction that we're not supposed to be following him for what he gives us. We're not supposed to be following him because he makes our life easy. We're not following him because if we tithe, we get... You know, more money back. That's not why we're doing it. We follow him because he gave his life for us. And so, this is what I was thinking. You know, it's awful if someone is going to heaven. I mean, yeah, it's awful if someone is going to heaven. Let me finish. It's awful if someone is going to heaven and they think they're going to hell. That's absolutely awful. I don't want anyone in here thinking that. But what's worse is if someone's thinking they're going to heaven and they're going to hell. And that's a hard reality. I mean, that gets, that's not fun to talk about. But I mean, with things going on today, there are some people who call themselves Christians who do not appear to be Christians. And I'm not saying we have the ability to judge them. You know, God judges the heart. But being a Christian can be hard sometimes. Jesus never said it was going to be easy. And so I'm going to change up the order that I was going to go in because I feel like I need to. I'll just go to my main scripture, and that's Luke 14.25, if you guys want to go ahead and go there. Luke 14.25. So Jesus is walking. He's traveling. Lots of people following him like many times in the Bible he's following, they want to hear what he's having to say. And I'll tell you what, when you start to read what Jesus says, sometimes you get really confused. At least I do. I mean, I have been straight up upset sometimes at what I hear Jesus says because it's not what I've been told he says. And that's important. Like, we have got to read what the scripture says. We can't just trust, you know, even though Victory Life is absolutely amazing, you know. But we can't just trust what other people tell us it says. You've got to read it. And so large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, his, father, <laughs> his mother, his wife, and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What? Jesus, you said to love everybody. You said, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. That's your commandment. You said it. But hate your mother and hate your father. What do you mean? Jesus, that's not, what do you mean by that? And then not only does he say that, he says, if you cannot do this, you cannot be my disciple. That's hard. He didn't just say, you need to do this. Or, you know, it'd be better for you to do this. He said, you cannot be my disciple unless you do this. And comparatively speaking, you know, you can get into that, what he means by hate. But nonetheless, it's hard to hear that. And next he says, and anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And that's where that verse gets me. Because I've grown up in America. I've grown up in Durant. I've heard, you know, when they're talking about picking up your cross, you know, it's like you need to do some things that kind of cost you a little bit. They can, you know, they don't feel good. You might need to fast or I don't know, you know, might need to skip lunch every now and then to go help somebody out. You know, we're carrying our cross, aren't we? I don't think that's what Jesus means. I don't. I don't think he meant you know, we have to give up some little things that we we don't want to do because it's good for us. I think he means, and you, you, you could disagree and that's fine. I think he means pick up your cross. I think he means you have to be willing to die for me. And that's hard to hear. That is really hard to hear. You have to be willing to follow me, to pick up your cross. You know, that hill, I'm going up there and you have to follow me, or you're not worthy to be my disciple. I didn't say that. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me, and those who don't, you cannot be my disciple. And there's this temptation we have in Christianity to where we want people to be saved. We want them to raise their hand, and we want that. We want people to come to Jesus, but sometimes I feel as though we try to sell it as it's As it's easier than it really is, because if you've been a Christian for any period of time, you can know it is hard. There are times when you get persecuted for doing the right thing when everyone else is doing the wrong thing, and that's hard. It's not fun to be criticized by your family for standing up for what you believe in. And so Christianity isn't this, you know, come to me, come to Jesus, just say, hey, all you gotta do is say the prayer at church, all you gotta do is raise your hand, say the prayer and you're saved. You know, there's a second part to that scripture, and believe in your heart. And how many, of us, how many of us know that when you believe in something, you stand for it no matter what? You know, there are people in this country who believe in freedom, who believe in liberty, and they have paid that price because they believe in that. There are people who sacrifice their lives for what they believe in, And this Western Christianity, we don't like that sometimes. We don't like the part where it costs us. And I think that's unfortunate because Paul talks about it. He says, wouldn't it be great joy if I could know the suffering of Jesus? I mean, Jesus bought and paid for our souls. And we try to, you know, we just want to go to church and we want to do the stuff that gets us Gets us blessings. But we forget that there's more to Christianity than that. And so he goes on. And he says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees him will ridicule, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Anyone know of Cabela's in Allen? Allen, Texas? Yeah? Well, I like that store quite a bit. Um, and when I used to drive to it, there was, I remember there was always this building on the left. This was years ago. There was this building that was just a structure. And I was like, oh, cool, they're building something. But as the years passed, and I kept driving by it, and driving by it, there was no development. It just sat. It was, you know, big steel beams and concrete And I don't know what happened to it, but it didn't get built. Whoever built that, they thought they had enough money. Something happened and they didn't. And Jesus is comparing following him to building a building. He's like, hey, it will cost you something to follow me. And before you wave your hand and sign up, you need to know what it's going to cost you. Are you still willing to follow me, even if it costs you everything? And that's hard. I'm saying that's hard because it is. I feel that. You know, there's the story of the rich young ruler. And Jesus said, you know, he asked, what do I have to do to follow you? And Jesus said, sell all your things to the poor and follow me. And he said, okay, I can't do that. Bye. And sometimes I can relate with that, you know. I don't think Jesus was speaking figuratively to him. I really don't. And possessions, man, they've got a way of holding us. They've got a way of, we like, we like to hold our things. You know, I, I worked, you know, months for this. I paid for this. But does it really belong to us? I mean, if Jesus bought us, we are his. So what we think is ours is his as well. And we've got to be willing to follow him. Jesus says it. I'm not, I'm not just saying this. Jesus says this. If you want to follow me, you have to be willing to die. Heck, some of us don't, aren't even willing to come to church every day. And, you know, you know we'll follow Jesus to death. But, you know, I'm, I'm tired this morning. So there's, there's grace, right? And there is. I'm not downplaying grace. I am not downplaying his grace and his ability to save. Not at all. But what I am saying is, we I'm looking around and I know there's mature Christians in here. Have we counted our costs? Like, if Jesus called us to do something, if Jesus called us to sell everything, would we? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. If Jesus said, "Hey, I know you've got kind of a good life, you've got a good little gig right here, but I need you to sell everything, move to China and give your life? I don't think my first answer would be, heck yeah, sign me up. I mean, it'd be awesome if I was like that. I don't think I'm that spiritual yet. But man, I think it's unfortunate when we don't look at the cost. Because we will follow Jesus, you know, we get our, you know, we get our friends to, we have friends who aren't saved. We have family who aren't saved. And, you know, we want them to be saved. We want them to know Jesus because Jesus is worth it. We've known it. We've, we've all paid something to be here. And we know that it's worth it. It's worth whatever we could pay. It's worth whatever we could give. He is totally worth it. But maybe he's not... Maybe the reason... That we know he's worth it isn't because what other people think he, why he'd be worth it. I think many people think he's worth it because, yeah, I tithed and now I'm getting more money. Our, and now I have a church community to be around. And those are good things. But that's not why he's worth it. He's worth it because in the end, we, there was an end day. And this, we were joking about teaching on revelations. And this isn't revelations. But there is an end day. We know that. Whether it's whatever comes first, whether we die before he comes back or not, we all have an end day. And he's worth it because on that day, we get to be with the Lord of the universe. We get to be with someone who loved us. We get to be with our creator. We weren't created to just do whatever we wanted. We were created to serve a purpose. We were created to love Jesus to love God, to love the creations around us, our, our, our family. And that's why he's worth it, because we get to fulfill the purpose that he put inside of us. You can't do that apart from Jesus. Any purpose that you think you have, if you can reach it without Jesus, that's not your purpose. If you have a goal, if you have a goal and you can get there without Holy Spirit, you have not set the goal high enough. He has called us to be with him, to be dependent on him. We aren't created to do this by ourselves. We're not. And so as we go, he keeps, he keeps on saying, he keeps on talking. He says, or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give everything he has cannot be my disciple. If any of you does not give up everything, he cannot be my disciple. These are Jesus' words. These are red letters, people. These aren't black. These are red. These are what Jesus said. And then we all know the next, the next verse. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's neither fit for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Salt. I like salt. Um, if food doesn't have salt, there's a good chance I'm not going to eat it. <laughs> I like my salt; it tastes good. But what does salt do if it has no taste? Like, what's the purpose if it cannot, if you don't taste it? You're just going to put some white powder on your on your food and eat it? There's no point. There's literally no point. And he says, he says, this salt isn't even good enough to be thrown out on the streets. Heck. It's not even good to be thrown out on cow poop. I mean, if you're not even fit for poop, I mean, you literally have nothing. You have nothing. And he's comparing, and here's the part that's hard. He's comparing Christians to this. If you aren't going out and doing what I'm asking you to do, if you aren't willing to sacrifice a little, you're not fit I don't want people to just give me... Jesus does not want people to just pay him lip service. He doesn't want people to just say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'll follow you. And then go home and do nothing about it. And we have a lot of people like that. And Jesus is so after them that he's warning them. I had a, we had a conversation about this Wednesday, this past Wednesday on... Uh, disciplining and it being a gift. And someone, uh, someone said, uh, well, I, I, they they want gifts or something to the measure of gifting and the uh, discipline are not the same thing. And I said, well, you know, if you don't, I think discipline is a gift. If you look at children growing up who have not been disciplined, um, Well, unfortunately, many of them are hard to handle, even as adults. And so I count it as a gift that I was disciplined. I think we all should. And the Bible says, you know, God will discipline us, not because he's mad, not because he's angry, but because he actually cares where we end up. If he didn't love us, he would not discipline us. And there's this crazy, crazy talk these days about, you know, just say you love Jesus and that he's your Lord and boom, you're good, you're set. Do whatever you want after that. You know, a good God would never send someone to hell. Well, that's hard to talk about. Hell is not a very fun subject. But you know who talked about hell more than anyone else in the Bible? Jesus Hell is real. Hell is a real place, and people go there. They choose to go there. And that's, that is, that breaks our hearts. No one, we were not created to go to hell, but people choose it. There are people who come to church who are going to hell. And I know, I know, that's, how can you say that? How can you say that, Connor? They're in church. Aren't they doing enough? They're good people. I didn't say it. I'm just repeating what Jesus is saying. And I want us as a congregation, the reason I feel like this is so important is because I feel like this congregation knows this. That this congregation knows that it cost us something and that we are willing to do that as a individuals, and as people, as a community, that we're willing to do what the Father has asked us. And so I feel comfortable sharing this because I don't feel like I'm going to get in trouble or that someone's going to get mad at me. I'm saying this because we, I want Boswell so badly. I know it's small. I know it's small. (laughs) But I want it so badly to be a light. I want it so badly to be a place that doesn't make sense to anybody. Like, why are good things happening? Why, why is Boswell School, why do they keep going? Why are there why is no one getting coronavirus? Why is why are they able to stay in school? And I want people to come and I want them to meet us. I want them to meet this congregation. I want them to come to victory and see: hey, there's something different. Yeah? Their lives don't always look glamorous. Their lives, you know, they're not driving Mercedes around, not all of them, <laughs> anyways. But they're, they're something different. They've found a peace that I've looked for my whole life and I've not found. You know, God gives us a peace beyond understanding. And the world tries to offer peace, you know? The world has its peace. But its peace does not last. It's, it's, so, it's so dependent on your circumstances, you know? If we can just get this law returned, then we'll have peace. If we can just get everybody to think the same way, we'll have peace. And there's a news flash, people. That is never going to happen. <laughs> Man, the world needs peace. And that's, that's where it's really hard for me sometimes is I hear people talk about government policies and what they think will work. And it, it's the most idiotic idea I've ever heard. But I genuinely think that most people think that way because they want, they want good. They want peace. They, they just don't know how to get it. They're trying to think of these, of, okay, how can, I, how can I facilitate a place of peace? Okay, well, maybe that makes sense. And it just, we know. We know because we're Christians. We know because we have found that peace. That that's not, you don't get it through doing things. You don't get it through circumstances. You get it through following Jesus, And sometimes that following Jesus cost us. And when I say sometimes, I mean definitely, if you have uh, followed Jesus and you've now, if you feel like you've never it, never it hasn't cost you anything, man, hold on, because it will. It will. It, it, it will cost you It will cost you. It might not cost you your life in terms of physically being martyred. But it will cost you your life, and you will have to give up your wants and desires. Because let me tell you, sometimes what I want for myself is absolutely not what Jesus wants for me. Sometimes what I think I need, and the job I need to get, and the college degree I have to get to assure my future family security and safety. You know, maybe I've been told that. But when I look at the disciples, they paid everything. When I look at Paul, it cost him everything. When I look at Peter, it cost him everything. They didn't just hear the words of Jesus and say, oh, that's nice, that's good. It'll cost me something. Let me just tithe and get my blessing. No, they died for him. People do not die for a lie. They believed it. If Jesus wasn't the son of God, he was the craziest person alive. You can't say Jesus was good, but he wasn't the son of God. Because a good person does not go and tell everyone to praise him, and if you don't, you're going to hell. A good person doesn't do that. You can't say Jesus is good, but he's not the son of God. You can't do that. He either was exactly who he said he was, or he wasn't. There's no other option. And when I look at what the disciples thought, they sure did believe him. They went to death for him. And in Philippians 3.7, Paul's writing. He's writing and these are some of the verses that these are some of my favorite verses in the Bible. Because so easily we can take what we have in this world and make it what defines us. We can look at how big our house is. We can look at how many friends we have, how much money we make. And we let that define us. We say, yeah, I, I, I did this. I'm, you know Obviously, somebody thinks I'm worth it. Or this is my hard work. And Paul, if you don't know, you know he describes himself as um, a Jew of Jews from the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee. He had all these things going for him. And then he writes this. He says, but whatever was to my prophet, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish. He literally considers them trash. He considers them the salt on the manure, that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Man, we can't do this by ourselves. He didn't call us to give it all because he didn't equip us. He gave us everything we need. And really, man, who cares if it costs you everything? Like, is knowing Jesus not enough for that? Is getting to spend eternity with Jesus not worth it? I think it is. I mean there are some people who were pretty convinced that it was. And so I mean that's that's the gospel right there. Is that we come to Jesus, he takes us he takes us in all of our trash, all of what we think is important, all of the material things that we've gotten and acquired, and he gives us our righteousness. He gives us his righteousness. Man, I don't have a righteousness on my own. I don't. <laughs> but man, the Lord of everything has given me his righteousness my gosh, we are so blessed, church. We are so blessed. Man, it is so worth it to follow him. It is so worth it. Man, if it costs you something, count it as a blessing. Count that as a joy that I can give this up. I mean, Jesus gave his life for me. I can give up something. I can give up, you know, a couple hours of my day to go help some youth. I can go help the homeless. I can go help a food shelter. Man, I can give that up because he gave so much more for me. And when we barter with ourselves and say, oh, we just have to give up, you know, five minutes, read the Bible. We're selling ourselves short. Yes, read your Bible. Give five minutes. Read your Bible. But people, he is so worth giving so much more. Whatever you give, I promise you'll get it back. It might not be in this life, but in the life coming, you know, the life that actually matters, it's worth it. This life is such a small parcel of time. We try to put so much, you know, we try to put so much into this life that's here one moment and gone the next. And I don't want anyone, I'm not saying anyone has, I'm not saying God has called anyone to be poor and to, you know, make sure to try to go and die. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying if he did, I mean, do you think he's worth it? Do you think he is worth it? Do you think that he actually means what he promised? That, hey, I will give you eternal life for following me. I think he means it. And I want us to think he means it. And Paul continues, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings Becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Man, Paul was awesome. Paul is so cool. I love reading Paul's work because he's a man who he's a man who got it. You know he never actually met Jesus in the in person. Jesus was already dead by the time, you know, he met him on the road. Which is crazy, because Paul served Paul's faith. Paul's faith in Christ Jesus was amazing. He literally gave his life to just going around and preaching and planting churches and making sure people knew, hey, you don't have to live like you're living now. You don't have to live under this law. Jesus came to fulfill the law. And he was convicted. He was, he had a conviction. You don't go and spend your whole life traveling around getting persecuted, getting beaten because you don't have a conviction. You do it because you know what you're saying is true and that people need to hear the truth. Guys, there is a world out there that needs to hear the truth. And we are the people. We are the instruments that God uses to tell those people about him. And what I don't want to do is do a disservice to them by making it seem so easy. I know it's tempting. I know it's tempting. Hey, just I'm serious. Just raise your hand. Pray the prayer. I think we owe it to them, to be honest, like, hey, Christianity might cost you something, but I promise it's worth it. And so, I'm going to kind of wrap this up. It was quicker than I thought. I talked faster than I wanted to. (laughs) But... My conviction right now is that I want a people who will serve him. I want to be someone that will serve him no matter what. No matter what it costs me. It might cost me a relationship that I really don't want to lose. It might. It might cost me, you know, a job that can assure me for my future. It might cost me that. But at the end of the day, man. I want to know that he's worth it. I want to know that he's worth it, and I want us to know that he's worth it. And so, we owe Jesus our lives. He bought us with his life. Man, we owe it to him to give our lives to him, even if that makes us uncomfortable. You know what? Coming up here today makes me uncomfortable. This is not something that I particularly will jump up and down to do but I know it's important, and I know that what I'm sharing, while not always easy to hear, is important. And I would be doing myself and you a disservice if I came up here and just talked about what you wanted to hear. Man, Jesus very rarely told people what they wanted to hear. He told them what they needed to hear. And sometimes, most times, what we need to hear is exactly the opposite of what we want. And so I I heard this the other day, Does anyone know who George Whitfield is? George Whitfield. he was a, you know, he was a pastor evangelist, great awakening. And so after he would do a service, they would ask him, well, how many people got saved? How many people raised their hands? And he he wouldn't just say whatever number of people raised their hands. He said, and this is so opposite of what we do. You know, we're all about the numbers. He said, give it 6 months or a year then we'll know how many people gave their lives man sometimes that is so opposite of what we think Christianity can be or is we try to make it easy we try to make it you know palatable sometimes Christianity is not palatable for the world and that's okay we've got to be okay with that we've got to be so assured in our faith, and our our knowing of Jesus, that it is okay. That it's okay to be made fun of. And so I'm going to give a time. I just want everyone to bow their heads and I'm going to pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. God, you gave us more than we could ever ask for. Father, but let us not love what you give us, but let us love you, God. We don't want to be in it for the things we get, we want to be in it because it means knowing our Creator. <laughs> and as we move on for, through the day, God, I ask that you remind us that it's not about us, it's not. It's about you. It's about loving you. So if there's anyone who just feels like the Holy Spirit is just moving in their lives or moving in this moment, maybe you've said, hey, I've followed Jesus, but I don't know the Jesus that asked me to do anything. Man, I invite you to know the real Jesus. The Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus who is so much better than anyone could ever say. I want you to know Jesus. I don't want you to know what someone has told you about Jesus. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know what he said. And if there's anyone, if there's anyone who feels like, maybe I don't know who Jesus is, I ask you to just raise your hand. Man, if the Holy Spirit is working in your heart and He comes after us, He comes after us before we can before we love Him. He loves us before we loved Him. And that's crazy. So many times we require someone else's love for us to love them. But God is not that way. He loved us way before we could ever love Him, before we even knew of Him. So right now, I thank You so much for this congregation, God. I thank You that these people are hungry, that they're not here on early on a Sunday morning because they wanted to check something off their list, God, but because they came to know You. They're here because they know that it's worth it. Father, and as we go through today, let us just be thankful for you thankful that we can give something up thankful that we can we can know in your suffering we get to take part in that and that is a blessing that isn't bad that is a blessing God thank you so much for who you are and thank you for telling us what we need In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's my message, and I'm sticking to it.